Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. I'd like to direct your attention tonight to the book of Psalms. Just one verse of Scripture is found in verse number one. Please be mindful to bring your Bible to church. This is a group of people that still believes in the Bible. Listen, I know I need hearing aids, but I should hear a little bit more than that. This is a church that still believes in the Bible. Thank you. And when you don't bring your Bible to church, the devil sees that. When you don't read your Bible, the devil sees that. And I'm just going to tell you, the battle is getting very, very hot. It's getting heavy. The lines are being drawn. And I believe that we should live for God in the face of every line, mocking, accusing, deceiving spirit. At least I'm going to continue to do that in Jesus' name. I've been doing that. I've been doing that for almost 40 years. I'm not going to stop now. All right. Psalm 127, verse number one. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We want to talk tonight about a home that honors God, part two. A home that honors God, part two. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for all these great saints. Thank you for our visitors. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the word of truth, the word of God that is given to us to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray that every single life, every single home, every single heart is impacted by this tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is not what you do here that reveals how spiritual you are. It is not what we do publicly that reveals how spiritual we are or how spiritual we are not. In fact, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount seemed to greatly minimize that which is done in public when he said that scribes and Pharisees stand on the corner and make great public prayer that they may be seen of men, and Jesus said they have their reward. But in contrast to that, he said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door, and what the Father seeth in secret, he will reward thee openly. That's an important principle. It is what we do behind closed doors that genuinely demonstrates really where we are spiritually. 
Um, as I've already mentioned, I know I'm probably sounding a little bit, a little bit redundant when I say this, but Cornerstone, um, as was mentioned, and that I want to tell you, Sunday was amazing. If you were not here Sunday to hear the preaching of Brother Cody Marks, uh, you can watch it on our YouTube channel. You need to watch and listen to that message. It's very powerful. How many of you enjoyed family night on Sunday? How Hallelujah. Wonderful. I lasted about an hour and a half. I'm getting old. Um, and when you put me on a team, what was the name of my team? Brother Tristan, what was the name of my team? Team Mexico. Okay. The only one that was truly representing Mexico was Sister Graciela. But I think we represented everything and everybody well. But you're going to put me on a team with Carter, who is a Tasmanian angel. Sometimes I feel old. Um, there's probably a better way to say that. Some people, uh, there was a saint came up to me one time and said, Pastor, please don't, don't talk about how old you are because I, I can't bear the thought of you going away. Well, if I go away, I'm going to go with Jesus. So you guys can have the rest of this. But uh, I don't have any intentions or thoughts about leaving anybody. Um, but anyway, I lasted about an hour and a half and we had a great time and and somebody said, praise the Lord. Where was I? That proves how old I am. It is horrible when the pastor does not remember where he was. But I'm just going to tell you that Cornerstone has got a lot of real positives. And I'm not going to... I didn't come here to talk about all that, but I said one of the things is, is that we, we know where the prayer room is. We know how to worship. We know how to, to yield to the Spirit. There's just a lot of positives about that. But really what makes Cornerstone Cornerstone is not what we do here. It is strong families and strong lives that really make any church, not just Cornerstone, um, maybe you're visiting from another place, and if you're visiting from another place, that's fine. But really what makes your church strong and really what it is is not what is done here in public. It's, what, it's how people live. It's the fact that people are really genuinely living for God. And it's not what we, you know, we're, we look good tonight and, and we should give our best to God. We do that. But it's not really here. It's what you do in the privacy of your home that really engages the spiritual realm. And so what I'm interested in as a pastor is helping us to understand how to build a strong, godly home. It is not going to happen by accident. It is not going to happen without effort. 
It is not going to happen without sacrifice. It is going to happen by the love of God. It is going to happen by conviction. It is going to happen by the word of God. Somebody said amen. And I realize that the church is sorely lacking in teaching today, and that may be a little bit in part because sometimes we give ourselves to all of the expressions that happen publicly. And, I, and this church, I'm telling you, there's sometimes I have to come to church and put my foot on the brake pedal because we could easily have a runaway service. And every once in a while, a runaway service is great. The exhilaration, people are delivered, people are healed, people are, are, are renewed and refilled and regenerated with the Holy Ghost. But there's nothing like solid meat for hungry people. I hope you came here hungry tonight. I hope you didn't come here for entertainment. I hope you didn't come to see a spectacle. But I really believe that one of the greatest challenges in the 21st century, I know it to be true, is building a godly home. Building a godly home. If I repeat a little bit of this, because this is part two, we're just gonna kind of ramp up and get some momentum here. Um, I would like to talk about three areas that I believe are critical to establishing a Christian home. All of these points are founded deeply, deeply in the word of God. Number one is relationships, husband and wife. It is important that your home is balanced and it is balanced by being equally yoked. Every once in a while, um, a single person will come up to me and say, Pastor, I found somebody. Oh, man, great. Where's she sitting? Um, I found her online. Now, wait a minute. There are a few success stories. <laughs> so I'm going to walk carefully through this. But I want to tell you something. If you're a married man, you ain't got no business being on a, on a dating site. You can preach with me, but I, I, I came to do some stuff here tonight. You have got no business being on a dating site if you're married. Can the wives say amen? Wow. You're kidding. That's okay in your home? I want to tell you what, that is absolutely a sin for a married man to be on a dating site or be on a pornographic site, or to be on a questionable website in your home. You don't wanna open that up to spirits. You don't wanna open that up to sin. You don't wanna open that up to, this is why people's minds are all messed up. It's because you willingly opened yourself to that. I wanna tell you, greater is he that is in you. If you'll get back in alignment, you and God can drive those spirits back out, but God's gonna expect you to batten down the hatch and close the door and close the window and keep it airtight in Jesus' name. The relationship under that roof 
does more to either bring blessing. And it's in the word of God. In fact, in one place in, in the book of 1 Peter, we're not going to go there, it talks about that your prayers be not hindered. If husbands and wives are constantly fighting and, and we're constantly um, wondering who's the boss and we're constantly fighting for direction and we're constantly fighting for coming to church and constantly arguing about who's, what we're going to do and what we're going to establish in this home, let me tell you, there are people in the Bible that successfully lived for God in a divided household. Timothy was the replacement pastor for the Apostle Paul, and he was raised in a divided home. But his mother made up her mind that although I am married to a Gentile man, I'm going to make sure that Timothy is hearing about the goodness of God, and he's hearing about the good things happening in the temple, and the good things happening in the synagogue, and he's hearing about the wonderful things in the Word of God. You have to take the responsibility not to have a war in your home, but you have to bring God into that home and say, God is greater than the spirit that's been ruling. Oh, come on, somebody. God is greater and we are going to tip this case. It's not going to happen without somebody making up their mind. Listen, Pentecost, historically, the single mom that has brought her children faithfully to church is one of the greatest testimonies of the 20th century in Pentecost. A woman that just said, you know what, I am not going to, I am not going to make my children uh, feel the effects of what has gone on in my, in my marriage or my household or whatever the situation may be. I'm trying to keep it general enough so that nobody feels like they're, they're condemned here. That's not my point in doing this. In fact, I'm here to praise the single mother that has said, you know what, I'm going to go against what the world says. I'm going to go against what the, the devil says. I'm going to go against what everybody, what every other single woman is doing and leave her kids in the car while I'm in a bar or give my kids up while I'm, no, 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 no. I'm going to raise my kids in the house of God. Somebody clap your hand. You single mothers that have did that, you are the heroes of the church. under that roof is incredibly important. The environment under that roof is totally the, in the control and the responsibility of those parents. If there's a problem in that home, don't blame it on the devil. I really believe that there should be a place in everybody's house where they feel comfortable praying. It doesn't have to be in the living room. It could be in a back room. It could be in the kitchen. It could be anywhere. But I believe that everybody needs to have a place where they pray regularly in your home. 
It is the sole responsibility of that husband as the priest. And there's a reason why he is the priest of that home. is because in the Old Testament, it was the priest that represented the nation of Israel before God. And every single man is the priest of his home. Married man is the priest of his home, and you are representing that home before God. But not only is that man the priest, he is the provider. Let's go to 1 Peter 5 and 8. But if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. For a married man to continue to put himself first over the supernatural and physical welfare of his family is on the verge of being worse than an infidel. And an infidel is, man, I think, that, I think an infidel is even worse than a pagan. I think an infidel is one of the worst things that you can be called. And it's talking about somebody that has abdicated their responsibility. It is the absolute will of God for the man of that house to be providing for the needs of his house. Um, when I got married, my wife made more money than I did. That shouldn't surprise any of you. She's a lot better looking. She's a lot more talented. I'm just like, just, I'm just, I'm just kind of rough, but she's, she's like a bowl of strawberries. When we moved to uh, Spokane, I was just coming off the field as a full-time evangelist. My wife said, um, we, were, we had a few thousand dollars saved up that we had saved up as an evangelist, and my home church took up an offering for us, and we had several thousand dollars in the bank when we moved here. And we got a duplex on South Adams in Spokane Valley. Uh, it was very humble. It was... We live very frugally. And my wife said, honey, I'm just going to go out and get a job because she had, she worked for a large hospital conglomerate in Northern California and made a lot of money. I did not marry her for her money. I married her for her looks. I'm just kidding. There was a lot more than that, but I just wanted to let you know that I didn't marry her. She sure didn't marry me for my money. I was driving a, a Datsun Honeybee that had 350,000 miles on it and only one hubcap. And she was driving a 325i. She's saying, honey, stop. No, I'm going to tell the whole story. She did not marry me for my money. She married me because I wanted to do the will of God. And that is exactly, by the help, with the help of the Holy Ghost, that is exactly what we've done. But when we moved here, she said, she said, I'm going to go get a job. And I said, no, you're not. You are not going to get a job. We've got these two kids. 
My son was three. My daughter was one. And I said, I want you to stay home. And so I went out and fought the devil and fought diabolical employers. And God took care of me. Miraculously, God took care of us. But it was because I resolutely, now don't get nervous. I notice, no, some people fidget and hold the child up like a human shield or not, just. Or, you know, it's like this. Oh, pastor's talking about that again. Where'd they go to the bathroom? Just, just, you're okay. Listen, you're, in some cases, some of us were raised in very, imbalanced, unrighteous, unholy, maybe even, and I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm just trying to cover all the bases, or maybe even an unclean environment. But you have come into the presence of an innumerable company of angels and the church of the firstborn. This is where you're supposed to hear this. This is where we're supposed to be exposed to this. Somebody said, ah, you know, I've already heard this. It's just old, old-fashioned Pentecost. You can call it whatever sociological, any worldly phraseology that you want to use. It's in the Word of God. It's time-tested. It brings blessing. It brings power. It, bring, it brings promise. It brings prophecy. God honors it. Clap your hands and give him praise. And so this is the environment where we are supposed to hear these kinds of truths so we can make the adjustments to be the recipient of God's blessing. So he says, well, I just come to church to just be glad. That is not enough to even make God happy. You know, just be here. Just be glad that I'm here. That is not a spirit that God is even going to honor. The Bible says you should enter into his gates. You should enter into his court. You ain't going to get nothing anyway if you just come in and just throw anything. And uh, here I am. I'm just here. Just be glad I'm here. Why do, since we're here, why don't we do what is necessary to be blessed? Why don't we make the adjustments that are needed to be blessed of God? God wants to bless us. He needs a people to reveal himself to the rest of the world. It is the will of God for the man of the household to be the provider, the protector. Oh, honey, I need you to answer the door. Why? Well, we didn't pay our electrical bill. Send your wife out there. As the protector, it is the man of the household that is supposed to protect his household. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. Let us go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any man would not work, 
neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. It is the will of God that every single man have a job. Well, pastor, I just can't wait to marry sister so-and-so because she's got such a good job that's got real good benefits. Okay, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to wear the apron and the little slippers with the little furry ball. Oh, no, you ain't. Not in this church, you're not. <laughs> if your wife wants to wear those slippers that has a little furry ball on the toe, that's just fine. But you are not going to stay at home and wear an apron and do the, di- if you do the dishes, that's- I do the dishes. Man, I do all kinds of stuff. Pastor, you just saying that. Honey, am I just saying that? I do the laundry. I do the dishes. Not always, but I'm not afraid to do them. You know, my wife, she works. She's the ladies' director for an organization. She does a bunch of other stuff. She works here at the church. She prays. She fights devils. She fights devils and keeps them off people's lives. And when I know that she's doing stuff, I'm not afraid to take the dishes out of the sink and rinse them off. And some of you macho guys that say, Woo, there's a dirty dish. It's got mold on it. That's not weakness, ladies and gentlemen. That's strength. To do what needs to be done. So... (laughs) Come on, some of you guys out. I know you do the same thing. Help me out. That's on top of working a job. It's on top of bringing home a paycheck. And the last time that I taught on this, I was talking about a stack of bills, and my wife said, honey, you got that story completely wrong. I was right that there was a stack of bills and somebody paid their tithes and it was the exact amount of the bills, but how it all came together. So I apologize for that. It wasn't on purpose. I was confabulating. Confabulating means you're getting old and you tried to remember the facts, but your brain filled in with the wrong data. So I apologize for that. But God did the miracle. I realize in this present world that many wives and mothers have to work. I want you to listen to me carefully. I'm being mindful of this, okay? I'm being mindful of this. I realize that our world is is shifting and moving and financially things are very unsettling. But I think, I want you to listen to me. It is my pastoral recommendation based on the word of God that you should start moving in the direction that you're the ones that are raising your kids and not a daycare. 
You are the ones that are protecting your children, not somebody in the world. You are the one that has a direct influence on your children, not somebody at a, at a child care facility. All because we're so far in debt. What good is a lifestyle up here if your children are in danger of being lost? Pastor, how do we do that? I'll tell you how you do that. You have to learn to start living frugally. And I realize, listen, I'm just going to be, can I just be real? Brother Jay, can I just be real? Some of us are living way beyond our means because we want, we don't want to have to work for it. Like, listen, in previous generations, hey, it took a long time to get a driveway. I got to have it all now. I was talking to a home missions pastor here a while back that said, Pastor, we're, we're putting live stream in our church. Well, how many people you got? 30? You don't need live stream. You're acting like you ain't never heard this before. We built this church for 28 years without having these cameras on the wall. I don't, we don't need those cameras on the wall to have revival. What we need are people that are living for God. Those cameras are not going to bring popularity. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in what the world has to say. I'm not interested in what Pentecost has to say. Now you can just sit there if you want to. We got young people that are being raised that want it all now. Even if it means going in debt, even if it means living with their mom and dad till they're 40. instead of getting out and working for it. Oh, pastor, that's so hard. You ought to thank God there's a man of God talking to your kids this way and not letting them just lay around and sit around and get involved with all kinds of unclean habits because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not in the saddle with God. They're not at walking the path of righteousness. They're opening their minds to harmful, unclean habits and things, and now they need deliverance. But once you get delivered, you hit the ground running, and you live like a man. You work like a man, and you walk like a man. Somebody help me out tonight. Hallelujah. There's a way, there's a way to do all this where it's not, it's not, it doesn't sound like people are being punished, but it's just the right way to live. We're living in a, we are living in an era where people are have lost their gravity about how to even raise kids. You got the kids telling the parents exactly what we're going to do. Not in my household, not in this church, not in your household. If you're going to be a member of Cornerstone, you need to be the dad, that needs to be the mom, and these are the kids. And you are in control. And God is not going to bless confusion. God is... If people move in here from other areas and situations are going on, 
da-da-da, and all the stuff that's going on. You just turn this man of God loose. You just turn this church loose. And before it's all over, they'll have jobs. And they'll say, yes, sir. No, ma'am. How high you want me to jump? When do you want me to be there, pastor? When do you want me to be there? How do you want me to do this? And then they're going to have wives. And then they're going to have families. And it didn't happen. It doesn't happen by being sloppy. It happens with structure. It is impossible to become without structure. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. When I see a young person being disrespectful to their mom and dad, something just rises up in me. No, that's not almost right. That is right. You don't call your mom and dad by their first name. Who do you think you are? Well, Pastor, this is... This is you're not going to build it. You're not going to be a part of an apostolic church where it's just sloppy, agape, and everybody just kind of does what they want, and nobody's financially responsible to God, and it's everybody's just barely scratching and barely scraping. That's not blessing. That is not prosperity. I'll tell you what blessing and prosperity is. Blessing and prosperity is we say, hey, we are going to line up because it's in the Bible. We are going to do this because it's in the Bible. We are going to do this because it's in the Bible. We are going to do this because it's the Bible, and all of a sudden, God starts moving, and all of a sudden, God starts blessing, and all of a sudden, this one gets married, and all of a sudden, this one gets blessed, and all of a sudden, and now they're raising families. Clap your hands and give God the praise, but it starts with structure. And while I'm on structure, let me talk about authority. Authority is something that our world, the spirit that is in our world, is at war against authority. And you ever let that spirit get a hold of you that says, yeah, I'll listen to you, but I ain't going to do one thing you say? That spirit of defiance, you're going to work twice as hard to get that spirit out. Because the devil has a toehold now where he is resisting authority through a life. And that's why Saul had to go. Because he even became defiant against the prophet to where he laid his hands on him. And God said, that's it. You're done. That defiance. Well, I want to tell you, in this household, the dad is the highest authority. You are made in the image of God according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And that does not mean that the, the woman is some subservient slave. But I'm going to tell you, when you get this kind of structure and everybody is operating with an understanding, you've got to have a mom and dad that spiritually have their act together. No, I'm serious. It, it doesn't come easy. You've got to want it. 
And you have to start praying for it. You have to start inculcating and putting into operation the principles of the word of God. And when you start getting this thing all right, and it's where it needs to be, and and God says, I am the one that's building this house because that's my word, and that's my principle, and that's my wisdom. You're putting it all together. You're using my tools, and you're putting it all together. God puts his blessing on that. There's no super families in this church. There's no superhuman beings in this world. But there are people that have divine favor. And there are people that have an anointing from God. And there are people that have a touch from God. And once you get in that vein, you just realize, I'm not getting out of this thing. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what other family members are doing. I don't care if they're living way down here and they're trying to pull me down. You're not going to take me down. It's taking me too long to get up here. And I know where the blessing is. I know what's right. I know where the Holy Ghost is. I know where wisdom is. I know where power is. Sometimes, sometimes you can have family members of, of, within a church that will not let anybody escape the level that they've all learned to exist on. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but I've been doing this for a long time. And you get one family member or maybe a couple in that family, and they pray through at the altar, and all of a sudden God starts working with them, and all of a sudden things start happening. The best thing that you can do is not try to pull them down. The best thing that you can do is say, help me get out of this too. I'm following you. I'm tired of living way down here. I'm tired of just talking about being blessed. I want to experience blessing. I'm tired of watching other people receive the the anointing and the divine favor of God. And if I see it on your life, tell me what to do. And all of a sudden, you're going to see the bickering stop and the backbiting stop and the tateful speech stop and, and, and the backbiting and all this stuff. It all disappears. Because now there's blessing that's entered the family. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. These are the kind of things that build a church. And you can have that. It's free to all of us. Let's go to Titus chapter 2 and verse number 5. This is talking about women. This is in, of course, First and Second Timothy in the book of Titus, our pastoral epistles, to be discreet. This is the role of the woman in the home, to be discreet. To be discreet means she has self-control. She's able to control what comes out of her mouth. It's, it's, it's an expression of temperance. Okay? Chaste. It's talking about purity. Keepers at home. Well, pastor, I wasn't raised that way. And I have no idea what you're trying to say to us tonight. You are a candidate to be greatly blessed of God. I want you to pay very close attention to this phraseology, keepers at home. The word keeper literally means a guard. The woman is the guard of that home.
her role is much like the watchman on the wall that can see what's going on within the gates and she understands the dangers that are out in the shadows beyond the gates. And that which is out in the shadows is not allowed. A guard. A guard. How do I say this? There was a few times um, in our home where my wife and I felt like we needed to do an inspection. We're going to inspect our child's room. That's my room. Bam. You haven't paid one dime for that room. That's only your room because I let you use that room. Mom and dad, are you here for me tonight? That is not their room. That's your room. You let them use that room. You got a right to go in that room. And, Come on, somebody. Help me tonight. I know it's the 21st century, but I want to know what's going on in that room. I'm paying for that room. What you gonna find in that room? I don't know. But I'm the guard. There's nothing worse than a watchman that's asleep. Man, how did this happen? Somebody got in here and act, they acted like they knew right where to go and what to do and they messed with this and messed with that. Where was the night watchman? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you have every right to know what's going on in that bedroom at all times. And sometimes the best time to do a full, full inspection is when there's nobody else around. I used to crack up. I'd walk into Zach's room. Literally, he had a pile of clothes. Now, Miles and Caden, don't you get any ideas, okay? But his, he had so many clothes on the floor, you couldn't see the carpet. So he said, all right, I want this pile of clothes, and you know where this clothes. So I went back in there, and it wasn't there. So I opened the closet. Where do you think the clothes were? They were in a pile but the pile had moved. Mom, you should know what's going on in your kid's life. And by being the guard of saying, I'm not gonna let them listen to that. I'm not gonna allow them to look at that. I'm not gonna, yeah, that ain't gonna happen in this home. When you're 18, you can go and do whatever you want to. And I'm gonna pray and fast until then that you make the right decision to live for God just like you are living for God. But don't be blaming anybody else. You are the guard of your home. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Discreet, chaste.
obedient to their own husbands? Why do I keep hearing that Jeopardy theme song in the back of my mind when it gets quiet? <laughs> obedient to their own husbands. Don't expect your kids to obey you if you're not being obedient to your headship. Pastor, we ain't never heard this stuff before. Welcome to the apostolic church. It's in the Bible. In fact, it's in the New Testament. In fact, it's pastoral epistles that was pastoring an apostolic church. Now, there's been some times that my wife has obeyed me because I made a statement, but she disagreed with that statement. But it is something that we discussed far beyond little tiny eyes and little tiny ears. Because we both knew the value of a united front in front of little eyes and little ears. Well, I'm mad and I don't care if anybody knows about it. Don't expect your kids to be in control. Punch a hole in the wall bang your head on the wall because you can't control your own emotion. Don't, 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 don't start beating your kids half to death when they start thinking, well, you know what? Because a lot of those times you've allowed spirits now to create confusion in your family because they've seen you. You have got to understand that we are not playing a game. This is life. And there, are, there is a supernatural realm that is behind every word. It's behind every action. They're looking at any seize, any opportunity in that home. We're talking about a godly home. And the way that a father and a mother work on things is behind closed doors. Without yelling so everybody in the house can hear. Honey, the kids can hear. I don't care what they hear. Don't get mad at your kids when they don't have self-control. You're the one that programmed them. Don't you go and now exercise a complete lack of self-control in beating them when really you should have suffered an all-night prayer meeting, getting your own spirit in control instead of setting the pattern for your children. Ladies and gentlemen, you're in an apostolic church. You are not in a denominational church. There are spirits. There, there is a world in the unseen that is waiting for you to make one mistake and then another mistake and then another mistake and unless you have a united front and a husband and wife that understand biblical principles, you're going to be fighting spirits. But there's more power on your side. There's more favor on your side. 
There's more promise on your side. But you got to play by God's rules. You can't just say we go to a Pentecostal church, therefore we can have all this stuff in the spirit and have nothing in lifestyle. Lifestyle is what the devil is looking at even more than whether you run the aisles, lift your hands, talk in tongues, go to the prayer room, anything. He wants to know, how are you going to live? Let's lift our hands right here and just say, God, help me. Help us. You can do this. God believes in you, and I believe in you. You can do this. Very quickly, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1. We're talking about respect. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We're talking about respect. Let's go to verse 2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The word honor there means value. It means to fix a value upon. It means that I understand the value of my father and mother. Therefore, the honor comes from that placement that I have placed upon them. I honor my father, he's 96 years old. He wouldn't know God if God, if God moved on him. I only have one dad. And if he's ever gonna hear from God, if he's ever gonna learn anything from God, it's gonna have to be from somebody that has God. I could easily hold a grudge for this that happened when I was 12 and this happened when I was 14 and he did this to me and embarrassed me and, and did all this in front of everybody when I was 16 and then booted me off to the military when I was 17. I ain't that stupid. I forgave him a long time ago and now I value him. As far as I know, I'm one of the only kids that comes to see my dad. I'm the only, one of the only kids that takes him out to eat. I'm one of the only kids that sends him a birthday card. I'm one of the only kids, that, one of his kids regularly calls him. My dad did not know his father. His father was shot outside a bar in Detroit when my dad was three. My mother worked, my grandmother worked at General Motors Fisher Body for 40 years. She retired lived in Livonia, Michigan. She single-handedly raised my dad and my uncle, who was a storm window manufacturer in Saginaw, Michigan. My dad didn't know how to be a dad. It'd be so easy for me to break down right now because I, I live with this. But I'm the one with redemption, not my dad. Therefore, God will use whatever avenue he can. Let's lift our hands. Maybe you need to forgive your mom and dad. They said one of the ways that you've grown out of, out of adolescence is when you quit holding your mom and dad guilty for your childhood. When you start looking at the mirror, 
When do you start looking in the mirror? It was you. Is this all right tonight? I feel like I'm the Lone Ranger up here. God had to raise me through this. I've got, I've got a beautiful wife, two beautiful children, a gorgeous daughter-in-law, a wonderful son-in-law, beautiful grandkids. I'm blessed! And guess what, devil? You can't have them. The world can't have them. The spirit in this world cannot have my kids. God called me out of darkness, and he called me to be a devil chaser. He called, he called, your kids are not supposed to follow in your path. They're not supposed to follow into the same things you do. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. God will give you the wisdom. If you'll exercise the same discipline that you use for other things. See, a generation, two generations, three generations ago, they didn't have internet. They didn't have social media. They didn't have all this nonsense. They didn't have all this entertainment. They didn't have all this frivolous, the word fun, the word, the word entertainment did not even exist before the middle of the 20th century. It's an invention of Hollywood. Commonplace in Pentecost. Some of these precious kids can tell you what the modern games are. They can't even quote scripture. I'm telling you, if it's going to be an apostolic church, they need to be in Bible quizzing. You need to be. You need the Word of God in that home. You need to have one tonight. You need to have family prayer. I don't care what else you're doing. Put your homework away. We're going to get on our knees. God is in this house. God is building this thing. This thing is about God. It's not my career. It's not my occupation. It's not my fragile self-image. Come on, clap your hands to give God the praise. I'm done. Brother Logan, if the apostolic Pentecostal movement is going to survive, it ain't going to be because of compromise. It ain't going to be because of all the denominational influences. It's going to be because we lost the home and we failed to live for God behind closed doors. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and let's just pray. Let's pray for our, our homes. Let's pray for our children. My kids should know how to pray. My kids should know how to get out of the valley of desperation because they've watched me pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. God, I'm going to finish this thing stronger than when I started. Maybe you've made some mistakes. That's okay. Don't live there. Get some blood on it. Get some determination behind it and say, I'm going to finish this thing out like I'm supposed to. I might have started out real flaky. I might have lived real shaky, but I'm going to come through this thing with a blaze of glory. You're not going to have my home. 
As for me and my household, you might have everybody else, but you ain't going to have mine. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. God, move in that home. God, move among those children. Children, love your mom and dad. Pray for your mom and dad. Pray for your home. Pray for your school. Pray for the students. Pray for everybody. This altar's open. God, I might have made some mistakes. I might have become a weak man because I found out that I married a, sw- a strong wife and it just created an environment where I just capitulated to all kinds of things. God, I might have been lazy. I might have just this. I might have given myself to that. I might have been weak. I might have quit praying. I might have. But God, I want to finish strong. And I want to present to you a godly home that was built with the word and built on prayer and built on sacrifice and built on faithfulness to the things of God. Let's pray. Moms and dads, you're welcome to join us up here. Not here to accuse anybody. Not here to put anybody down. I'm kind of getting tired of those accusations railed against me when all I'm trying to do is pray the spirits off your shoulder and pray the devil out of your living room and pray the devil out of your pocket and pray the devil. Let's pray. Brother Jordan, would you come and just play some piano for everybody, please? and Give us some prayer music. Let's pray. Let's seek God. God, I really need you. We gotta have strong homes. We can't have strong homes without healed and delivered lives. Well, my husband doesn't want to come to this church. My wife doesn't want to come to this church. This doesn't want to, this one, you're, you're, you're going to have to understand your responsibility and, ju- and just accept it and say, God, you and I can do this. You and I can do this. We're going to, we're going to find a way. We're going to find a way to, to balance it all out. <laughs> when children come, It's supposed to be intentional. It's supposed to be with intent. It's supposed to be with design. It's supposed to be with aspiration, consecration, dedication. Children are supposed to be the heritage of the Lord, not just some client for some gaming channel. I realize I'm just one crying in the wilderness thing that's going to make the apostolic movement survive in the 21st century is not going to be huge buildings and great sound systems, but it's going to be families that have their roots so deep and have revelation that's so clear. Let's pray. Come on, lift your voice. God's here to help us. Ki alaba hatayala la baba roti ayala la baba rata.